Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm, I am not Pastor Brian. Thank you, Brian. Let me teach. Uh, you know, yeah. So this is a blessing. This is really cool to be in here with the families and the students. And, and uh, yeah, I oversee the junior high and high school. Uh, I see a few around here. They're about this tall. Some of them are, are getting up there. So, yeah. Um, this morning, let me just pray for us and, and then let's study the Bible together, huh? Father God, thank you that you uh, have revealed yourself through your word. Thank you, Father, that uh, you've given us the word to know you, to know that your, your, uh, your will, your purposes for our existence, for us as human beings. So God, I pray right now that you would uh, direct my words, direct my teaching to be glorifying to you and edifying to your family. Uh, God, I just pray that you would work on our hearts this morning. I pray, God, that you would just uh, take away anything that's distracting us from hearing from you. Um, and so, God, we ask for you to get the glory, and we ask for you, Lord, to satisfy us with, with yourself. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, okay, we're in Matthew chapter 1, uh, sorry, chapter 7, verse 1. And uh, we're, gonna, we're working through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, almost, we should be finishing it up here pretty soon, I think. A few more to go. But uh, we're going to be uh, starting the beginning of 7. And uh, let, let me read it for, uh, for us here. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you, why do you uh, see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but don't, do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to the dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before the pigs, at least they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Okay. Okay. Judgment. This verse, verse 1, man, America loves this verse, right? Don't judge me. You know, that, that's like, I think if there's any one verse, I think that anyone could quote, it's this verse. It's that, that people are like, well, doesn't the Bible say? Doesn't Jesus say not to judge? Yeah, that's right. Don't say, I don't want to hear your opinion. I don't want to hear what you have to say. This is very curious because... Uh, we, we totally esteem people that have an opinion, people that love to just, uh, just talk, and, and this is what I think, even if it's harsh and crude and, and rude. I mean, we live in this, this weird paradox where we hate to be judged personally, but we find it almost entertaining to, to cast judgments down. We see this with things like American Idol, right? I don't watch it. I've heard about it. Uh, yeah, you know. God forbid. And, uh, you know, but th- that show is all about people going with their talents. But then what happens is you end up judging the person themselves, right? You're not just like, oh, that, you know, Josie's a terrible dancer. You know, no, you're like, this person is just a terrible person because they can't dance. I think that's what happens, right? I don't know. Uh, things like yeah, magazines, people magazine. I mean, just, you're just looking at celebrities judging their lifestyles. Uh, blogs, there's a trillion zillion blogs out there, and everybody uses that as a, as a, most times as a platform to judge. So judging, man, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's, our, it's in our culture, intertwined. And so I, I love that the Bible, that Jesus has something to say about judging, something that's all around us. Um, I think this is why judging is important, is because our words carry a tremendous power. Our, word, our words are 
are, are a gift from God. You know, I mean, think about this for a sec. God, God's created us in his image. He's, he's given us this thing called language. And he's given us this, this ability to speak into other people. I mean, do you know, like, in, other, in some countries, there's a torture. It's solitary confinement, okay? Where, where people are actually tortured by not communicating. It's, it's amazing to me that our words carry this weight to them that can almost be, when you pull that words away, man, you're harmed. So it's obvious that, that God has given us words to be used in a way to, to, to grow us, to build us up. Now, turn with me. We're, we're going to be in a bunch of texts this morning. So if, if you've got your Bible, there's some uh, in the back by the door, I think. If not, you know, I'll, I'll try to read clearly. I'm not really hooked on phonics, so don't judge me. And, uh, huh? There you go. Um, starting at verse 3. Uh, James, I'm sorry, James chapter 3. Starting at verse 5. It's right after Hebrews. Kind of a small book. Okay, get this. It says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile, sea creature can be tamed as has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and our Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So we see James, the half-brother of Jesus, fully aware I mean, I'm sure there's just things going through his mind, seeing the power of the tongue, how he's seen in his own life, it set ablaze someone else's life, caused destruction, caused, caused someone to be destroyed. Um, Proverbs has a lot to say about the power of our words. Here's just a few verses. Just listen to these. Uh, Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. 11.9 uh, says, With, the, with the, his mouth... The godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by the knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Uh, Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Man, that, that's, that's very interesting. So I think that if you, if you zoom out with this, this thing called judgment and really see that, man, our, our words have an ability to destroy, to cut. I mean, we've all experienced this in one way or another. We're... we're uh, Things people have said to us have, have harmed us, have hurt us. I've done it to people. People have done it to me. I think we can all, we can all you know, join right here with this. Uh, but but it's, what's, what's great about this is that our words also have this ability to heal, to edify, to restore. And so I feel like this, what this text is getting at here in, in uh, Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, is Jesus has given us the right way to use our words, and specifically our judgments. This is how in the kingdom of God, in the gospel of the kingdom, we are intended to speak, okay? So, I mean, there's two degrees to this, okay? In, in, in judging others, I feel like we can swing two extremes, and we do this with everything. Uh, but one extreme is this idea of being, uh, wanting our judgments to be just, just tolerant, completely swinging to one end where, you know, I, I don't want to offend I don't want to you know, discourage anyone, so I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to sit back and what's good for you is right, right for you. You know, just, I would, I would hate to offend you as a person. Um, and in the other extreme is the swing the other way where your judgments are harsh and condemning. I mean, you're judging everything from, from uh, what's their major? I was a rec major. Now, look, y'all judging me for that right now? Like, from in me, man. I mean, it's like, you know, thank God for you. Right on. Uh, I, I just, by the grace of God, I finished college, okay? Uh, but, it, I mean, we judge, I mean, judge all the time if it's, uh, I mean, you think, what people are wearing? Is this guy wearing a tux right now? Is he wearing a robe? Uh, you know, like, whatever. It, you know, we, we, uh, we judge if someone using a PC in a coffee shop. You look at them and be like, oh, poor soul. You know, and you know, you're judging them. You swing way hard on one side. And we do this with everything. They dress, they have long hair, they have short hair, no hair. Uh, are they blonde, are they brunette? I mean, gosh, judgments can get so harsh. Um, because we're swinging to one way. Now, now the, thank God the Bible speaks into this, these extremes. Turn to me, uh, turn with me, turn to me. Turn with me, Ephesians 4. <laughs> like what? Ephesians 4. Head back a few, ver- uh, a few books to the left. Four, uh, starting in verse 14. I was looking at this, this uh, piece the other day, the first, you know, verses in chapter 4. Talk a lot about the body, the church, how we ought to function, how ministry ought to happen out of our lives. Um, and then Paul gets to this, this really cool piece in, in uh, verse 14 on how we, our words ought to operate in the family of God. Okay? He says this. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So this, this is great. Think of this, this, this phrase right here where Paul says we ought to be speaking in a way where we're speaking truth in love. Putting those two together, okay? And, and this is what happened. The first extreme of being overly tolerant, you know, of just like, I don't want to offend. I don't want to say anything that would cause a, a you know, disruption in someone's life. Um, you're swinging to the end of your just speaking out of love, but without truth, okay? We're, we're really, in the end of the day, it's not love because there's no weight behind it. It's all emotion, it's all feeling. You're catering to someone's um, feelings rather than really seeing this person hear the truth behind it. Now, the other extreme of being super harsh, judging everything about that person, um, it, you, you may be speaking truth, but there's no love, okay? So I love what Paul says here. He goes, for us to be functioning and growing as Christians, as a family, we need to combine both. Speak truth in love, okay? And I think, let's, let's do this. When you zoom out from the Sermon on the Mount, okay, what, what's going down right here is not uh, Jesus saying, here's what to do, here's not what to do. Here's what to do, here's not what to do. Kind of, but you need to understand the heart behind this sermon that Jesus is preaching. That he, he's giving us what is the gospel of the kingdom, a better way to live. A, a better lifestyle, a better way to speak, a better way to desire things, um, a, a better way to look at our possessions. I mean, think of what Nick preached, you know, a few weeks ago. I mean, a better, you look at this, he's looking at taking the life of a person and saying, God has created a fuller, more spiritual uh, way to be, to live, and God has created us to live. Um, and, and so I, I, what we, what we got to be careful to do with this is to be like, to create uh, 
rules. To where we're saying, this is what to do, this is not what to do, this is what to do. And then what happens, slowly but surely, we think God loves us for, 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 cast, for living a certain way. But really, this sermon is a response out of Christ first transforming the person. Okay? This is, this is how it ought, how to, ought to happen. So a non-Christian looking at this is just like, oh, this, why would I want to be a Christian? I mean, is this Christianity all about just, this is a different way to judge now. I sit on this pedestal and I look down at all the non-Christians and judge, oh, wrong, wrong, wrong. And I, Come join our team. Like, no. What, what I think is happening here is Jesus is showing on the Sermon on the Mount, there's a better way to use your words. And it's going to happen first out of us becoming a new creation, becoming Christian. Okay? Um, do this. Uh, look, look at, go back to Matthew 7. We see that judgment is not wrong. Okay? There there's, seems to be a balanced way to judge because Jesus himself judged, judges a lot. Um, in, in verse 6 on this, this text we're going through here, Jesus says, don't give the dogs what is holy and don't throw your pearls before the pigs. Now, for me to uh, understand that verse rightly, I need to make a distinction. What is a pig? What's a dog? In order, I need to make a judgment. Okay, if you go down just a few more verses in verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. You know, so again, you know, for me to understand who a wolf is, who a false prophet is, I need to look at the fruit of their life. I need to see, you know, what, what is coming out of this person's life. Um, and I have to make a judgment. So I, I believe that there's a balanced way for us as Christians to judge, okay? Um, let's look at, uh, th- there's a few, I think a few wrong ways to judge. Let me point, this a, you know, there's a, many ways, but here's a few that I wrote down. Uh, is when we completely dismiss someone. To where we completely cast a judgment so harsh that, that it, you're neglecting the person themselves. That your aim is not to see restoration, to not to see um, truth come to someone. But, you, but you're all together saying this person is not worthy and you push them to the side. You're destroying someone. You're, con- you're, you're playing as if you have the right to cast a condemnation. Your, your judgment has swung way hard to where you totally dismiss someone. And we do this um, in so many ways. By the, someone not agreeing with us right away. By, by finding out what someone else's interests are, or hobbies, or uh, what their job is. It's easy for us to just dismiss the person altogether. But really, we, we fail to realize, what, what is the whole intention behind judgment? Is, is, that what, is that what God's calling us to do? To just decide who, who's in and who's not? Who we agree with, who we don't agree with? Or, or is this about us actually using our words to grow us together as a family, as a community? As Paul says back in Ephesians, I want you guys to grow up. So growing up as, spirit, as a, a fully functional Christian it is, is realizing that our words are not used to just make a, a distinguishing way of just dismissing someone, but it's to grow us together. Okay, now look at this. Is, this is a verse, uh, a text I think helps explain that. Go to Luke chapter 9. Luke 9, look at verse 51. This is kind of a comical uh, piece here. Interesting here how, what happens. Well, let me fill you in here. You know, Jesus is going to be sending out his disciples to kind of bring the news to this village. Hey, I'm coming. Get ready. Um, and just, let's see what happens. Okay. 50, 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and, and they went to another village. You see what this happened here? The disciples go to this town. You know, it's like, we're, we're going to head out to Creston. And hey, everybody, uh, all ten of you. Um, there, there is uh, this guy, Jesus, is coming. We're excited. We want you to meet him. We want you to know him. And there, the people are like, whatever. You know, I'm going to tend to my, you know, sheep or whatever. They, whatever they do over that way. And uh, uh, so if you're from there, I'm sorry. You know, I don't, I've been out there once. Uh, but, you know, it's funny here. The reaction that the disciples have is not a, not a way of like, man, I'm bummed that they don't care about Jesus. But what they do is this, they go, oh, you don't, you don't like Jesus? Well, we're going to call down fire to consume you all. You know, and it's just like, whoa, man, you swung a little far. Your judgment's a little harsh there. When you, and if you're sitting here thinking of that person, you know, that sounds pretty good to call fire down on the Lord, I call fire down on this cubicle. You know, it's just like that. No, your judgment has, has swung way hard to where you're dismissing the person who God created in his image and likeness. You know, it's funny, but man, we do it all the time. We do this all the time, but we dismiss the individual. I mean, do, do we realize this, that we're all created in God's image? I mean, that every person has value and worth? I mean, we forget this. Sometimes we, we elevate ourselves to this place that we, we've arrived. And all oh, those poor sinners. No, you, we're all sinners. That's what makes this church so beautiful. Is that we gather, to ground, uh, gather around and, and, and center around the Bible and the cross not because we're lovely, but because God has loved us, okay? There's a community that happens here that's not about us and them, the righteous and the unrighteous. No, we all, we all fall short. There's none righteous, no, not one. And But what, what gathers us together is not what we have done for God, but what God has done for us. The, our work is not to do, 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 I'm just a judge, but it's we rejoice in the fact that it's done. When Jesus on the cross, he made a declaration, declaration that it is finished. That is why we gather. That's why we're a community because of what Jesus accomplished and finished for us on our behalf. Okay? So, another one. We set up a false standard of judgment. Okay? Where we, we might, in a sense, feel like uh, we, we'll compare people to us. Now, here's an example. Like, you may... Be thinking of that person who is in a certain sin, whatever. Uh, maybe you're on the highway, okay? You, you're going, and there's this dude flies by. Rah, he's road rage and going all over the place, you know. Uh, yeah, and you, you look at him, you're like, what an idiot. You know, at least I'm not like him. I'm, I'm driving good, and I'm a respectful driver, you know. And, and so in a sense, when you say, when you look at that guy who's maybe going crazy behind the wheel, at the same time, you're saying, look at how righteous I am for not driving like that. Or you look at someone who's stumbling, maybe alcohol or sexual sin or anything, you hear about this, and there's sometimes there's that sense of, I feel really good about myself because I'm not wrestling with that. But is, is that really the heart that God, God is trying to, to uh, embed into our souls with this issue of judgment? That when we hear sin, we kind of rejoice that we're not in that sin? Or is it the other way where we actually want to see restoration? We want to see healing come when we hear that news. 
I mean, it can get messy, okay? Things like prayer chains. Just turn to gossip. Hey, did you hear who's struggling with this? Yeah, we should pray for him. But really deep down inside, you're like, hmm, so glad I'm not struggling with that. God must really love me because I'm not, I'm not having that issue right now. It happens naturally because we're, we're, we're sinners, huh? Because we need, we need our judgments to be transformed, okay? So, so don't, I'm, I'm not trying to guilt trip you right now. I'm just telling you how we are. Um, look, look at this text. Uh, go, go over a few more chapters. I'm sure we're still in Luke. Chapter 18. Uh, we're going to start at verse 9. Okay. Jesus, Jesus shares this parable. He says, he also told this parable some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and, and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like these other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breath, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So we got, we got two folks here, okay? One guy, he's praying about himself. God, look at me. I go to Bible study. I lead, I lead a... Uh, Bible study on campus. I do devotion every morning for 35 minutes, maybe 40. And uh, you know, God, I even gave that 20 bucks that I was going to use at Firestones, but I gave it up. And I went home and made a sandwich. Yeah. For you, God. And you, you know, you, you may not pray like that, but I, I know that there, those things kind of seep in. Okay? With this other guy, we contrast with this with this other dude. And he said, man, God, I'm a sinner. His prayer is so short and sweet. And, and God looks at this man. Jesus says, this man is justified. That means saved. And this other man is not. Because this other man is not understanding his own sinfulness. He's not judging himself in light of God's holiness. He has a skewed sense of, of what is righteous. He believes that his righteousness is what he can put before God, okay? We need, we need to destroy that. We, we need to, we default into showing, God, look what I did for you. No, look what God did for you. Look at the blood that was spilled on the cross where this other man realized, I have got nothing to give you, God. I'm a sinner, and, and, and God honors that because he's humbled himself before the mighty hand of God, and God has exalted him, Okay? This is a beautiful thing. And I think that it's important for us to realize what is our standard of holiness. Do you compare yourself to, to a, a pastor, to someone in, in leadership, uh, to another person? I mean, it's like me driving the, my uh, truck. It's got like almost 500,000 miles. It's running by the grace of God. You know, I pull up to some little girl on a tricycle. I like, that thing is lame. Pfft, doing so good, you know. And, and then, you know, the, the, whatever, Another truck pulls up, you know, whatever. I don't lifted dude from NorCal. He's just got this huge, crazy, beefy. And I'm just like, man, my truck is lame. You know, if you need an example, you can walk outside. It's over, parked over there. Can't miss it. Uh, but, you know, that's what we do as people. We, we will 
put ourselves next to someone and, use, and compare them and say, hey, look, I'm, at least I'm better than this guy. At least I'm not wrestling like this person. And we feel okay about ourselves. And what happens is we're playing a game. We're playing a game with God. And it's, that's silly. It's just silly. Why, why would you do that? Because we, we, at the end of time, at the end of this, this whole thing called humanity, you I'm, this little girl with a tricycle is not going to be, well, God, look, look what I was driving. Look at my life. Look at how devoted I was. No, there will be uh, one line. And, you know, there, there's no cuts for your righteousness. And we all are going to give an account for every careless word, everything we say. That's, that's a startling thing to think about, right? And I'm going to give an account one day. I'm going to give an account for those who God has entrusted to me, right? All y'all there, few. Right? I'm going to give an account for what God has put in my life, and I'm going to be judged for that. And so it's very silly for me to feel good for the next 50, 60 years until God decides to take me home. It's very silly for me to compare myself to another person. I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on the day of judgment, and I have to give an account. Okay? And, and so just ask yourself to look in. Are, are, you, are you setting up this, a standard of holiness that's in the end of the day is vain? It's going to be gone, okay? Or do you really see yourself in light of God's holiness? Do you see yourself as a sinner, needing grace, needing salvation? I mean, when, when you do see that, it's a beautiful thing. And it transforms the way you judge, not only yourself, but, but others. Um, yeah. So let's, let's go down. Let's read verse uh, 2. Go back to Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Okay, verse 2. With the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but, n- but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So I think what Jesus is, is doing here. Is he's, he's tra- he, first he says, don't judge. But when you do judge, do it, do it rightly, do it balanced, but judge yourself. Judge yourself. Look at yourself before you, you start trying to fix everyone's problem. I mean, some of us, you know, that, that may be a real type A type, I don't know, have, this, have maybe a Messiah complex where we're going around thinking that we're going to save everyone, we're going to correct everyone's wrongdoing. That it feels kind of good to be like, hey, Hey, bro, I, I need to tell you something. Uh, you should think about this and pray about this. You know, and we feel really good about ourselves when we correct someone. But I think what this text is saying, you know, just hold, hold that. That's a good desire if, you, if you're correcting out of the right motives. But, but judge yourself. Look into your own heart. What is your own intention behind wanting to see restoration in someone else? Or are you using this as a way to cope with your own, your own sin? Are you saying, well, if I do enough for God here, then God will just kind of ignore my sin over here, you know? We're playing, and again, you start to play this game with God, and it's very foolish. Um, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We're all over the place. You guys doing okay? Yeah. I've heard that the turning of pages sounds really cool, but my hearing's so bad, you know? Some guys are like, I love the sound of turning pages. I'm like, I'll never know, you know? My hearing's really bad, you know? Whatever. Uh, you're like, that's, I don't care, man. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
okay? Uh, this church was, uh, man, the Corinthian folks were, were pretty gnarly. They were in a lot of different sin, a lot of sexual sin. Um, and there was this one gentleman who was uh, in some pretty deep sin, okay? Um, you can read it if you want to know. And uh, I, I think there was a tendency in this church for, for folks to get pretty, pretty prideful that maybe they're not in that same sin this one individual is in. Um, and, I, and I like what Paul does here. In, in starting at verse 9, uh, 6, 9, he, he says this to them, to the church. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So I'm like, amen, right on, yeah. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. You see this? I mean, how many of us look at, look at a, a, a person made in the image of God who is in any sin, any sexual sin, and say, well, I'm not like them. But what, what Paul does here says, and so were you. And so were you in the same sin. You're like, well, I'm not having an affair. But if you look at the gospel, if you look at what Jesus says, he says, if you lust with your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart. Puts us all guilty. Every single one of us. So what Paul is doing here is is not guilt tripping this church, but he's saying, you guys need to understand that grace has been shown to you. You've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been saved. You've been justified. Not because of you. Because of Jesus. Because Jesus is a good God. And he cares enough to, to come into our human flesh. And live the life we should have lived. And die the death that I owed. Okay? Because the wages of sin is death. I owe God perfect lifestyle. If I can't give that, there's something that needs to be dealt with there. And so what Paul does, I love, is not to be like, uh, if you make this list, you're doing good. I mean, what if... This last part of the verse, verse 11, and some were such of you, what if he didn't get to that point? He would have been making a list and saying, you need to do these things, and if you stay away from these sins, you're, you're doing good. But what he does instead is he keeps going and says, don't think you're in the right just because you're not in this sin. Because some of you were, were in it. You've been transformed. You've been made a new creation. Okay? I love the way Paul is judging right here. He's judging in a way to see restoration, to remind them of the grace of God. And what a beautiful thing that would be it is, is if, if our words turned into such a sweet thing that we, we, our judgments go down, bring a reminder of the grace of God, bring a reminder of Jesus and the cross, the blood that was filled for us. Man, that is going to create a community that's not built on our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus. That's encouraging. Because if we leave it up to just identifying and comparing to each other, this is going to get messy, right? I mean, when does it end? It won't. But if we put Christ as the one that I want to compare my life to and see that, man, I fall short. I've got nothing. My righteous deeds are worthless. And when, I see, when you really see that, you're humbled. And, you're, and, and you realize I'm in need of the grace of God. I need to judge myself in light of God, and that, and that should bring me to the cross, God willing. Uh, so uh, I think this is, this is interesting. And it, this, if we go back to Matthew, go back to Matthew 7. Sorry, I hope you maybe get a little piece of paper, put it there. That's what we're kind of banking on. But uh, 
and what this is, this is kind of comical. I think, you know, people say the Bible's not funny. I think, Jesus, I think dry humor is very biblical, okay? That's just my opinion. I think there's a lot of dry humor throughout the Bible, and this is one of them, where Jesus is like, uh, hey, if you're a blind eye doctor, that's just kind of silly. You know, if you've got this plank coming out of your eye, you've got this sin that's undealt with, don't, don't go try to fix your friend. That's foolish. Look at, judge yourself. Look at your own sin. And, and I love how Jesus gives us this analogy. I mean, it, it's funny, too, that he picks out the eye as being the thing that he wants us to, to consider. Um, and it's not like the foot. You know, if you get, like, a thorn in your foot, then go ask your friend to fix the thorn. You know, it's like, no. Uh, he said the eyeball. Because the eye is a very sensitive thing, right? I mean, I remember when I was uh, just graduating junior high, eighth grade, we got our yearbooks, okay? And, um, yeah, you know, passing them out, and something fell into my eye. And then as we're getting them, and everybody's out and getting them signed, and, and I'm start, my eye just starts watering. And it was just the most embarrassing time, you know, because eighth grade's already kind of weird already. Huh? Amen? Over there? And, uh, and, you know, and I was just crying, kind of, like, out of one eye, but then fine in the other one. And people were like, like, you signed my yearbook? And he's like, ah, uh, no thanks. Like, call me, please. Like, no. You know, this was a weird thing. Like, uh, this, my eye was just one little piece of junk was just causing me uh, to, you know, yeah, cry. And, and so I think it's interesting here that Jesus is saying, man, this, this is how sensitive judgment is. This is how, what a sensitive thing it is for us to really, um, that there's a need to, to have your eyes clean, to get the junk out of them. But it first comes with, with judging myself. Putting myself in light of the cross, okay? Why, why do we judge so much? I kind of talked about this a little bit already. Um, it helps us cope and suppress our own sin. We use it as a way to, you know, in a sense, uh, feel, feel righteous, feel okay about ourselves. Um, yeah, I think, uh, turn with me just over a few books to Romans, Romans chapter 2. If you're tired turning, I'll read nice and loud for you. Uh, but I encourage you, it's good to get exercise in the Bible. Uh, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment you on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who do such things. Do you suppose, O man, that you who judge uh, those who do such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? I mean, he goes down and down and uh, get down to 19, uh, pick it up here. Uh, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind and a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, so as if you think you're all that, you then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Why do you preach against stealing and do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. He's saying, man, do you need to preach to yourself your need for grace, your need to be fixed before you start going around casting, proclaiming all these woe to use and trying to correct everyone. It is a very, very, very healthy thing for you to preach the gospel to yourself every day. I've heard this said before. I just think it's wonderful. It's a wonderful advice. To, to not let Sunday morning be your one fill, okay? To not let, uh, I mean, okay, this, you guys are being very, very dangerous if this is the only place you're fed by the word of God. It's foolish. It's not enough. Because there comes a response 
that we hope to give out of teaching the word that you guys would just get the Bible open yourself and preach to yourself the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, man, I just so desire that, that this would just be more of a launching pad. Like Brian has, has talked about many times, like the missionaries that have come out of it. We, I think all of the life of Christianity is worship, and worship is a response. It's a response to the gospel. And, and so what, what's going down here is not Paul saying, you need to repent, you need to fix yourself up. No, but he's saying, you need to preach grace to yourself. You need to preach Jesus to yourself first, and then let that transform your judgments. Okay? I think, I think that's good advice. Thank you, Paul. Um, okay. Understanding the cross is so, so, so fundamental to us uh, judging and, and, and seeing this go down. Psalm 143.2 says this. It says, enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. You know, David's getting this. He's starting with the fact that I'm unable to stand before God if, if he's going to judge me. Because I just, I'm going to fall short. I just don't got what it takes. Um, and, and so I think, like, just seeing the cross, just seeing what happened to Jesus Christ, living his life for us, showing us perfect righteousness, preaching this perfect sermon, um, and then going and putting himself on the cross, saying, in John uh, 17, maybe I'll look, I'm confused, no one takes my life from me, I lay it down and I pick it up. Jesus put himself forward on the cross, and then as he's on that cross, he, he, is, he is receiving the judgment of God, the judgment that I deserve, okay, that we all deserve. When Jesus cries out, think of this, he goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's crying the sinner's cry to be separate from God, to be out of that community with God. I mean, guys, you've got to understand that Jesus Christ was judged for us, for me, in our place. So that we won't, we don't receive the divine finger saying, sinner, I'm sending you to hell. But we receive the opportunity to, 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 to adopt that and to own that gospel, that good news that Christ has stepped in my place um, I think it's uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, a great verse to, to know and underline. It says, God himself, uh, uh, let me see, uh, there it is. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, you've got to see this exchange. It's a beautiful exchange. And I think when, when we really think about the gospel, we dwell on it and be serious about it and own it like Paul owned it. Uh, we, we, it tra- transforms how our, our words respond and judge, judge others, okay? I hope that makes sense. I mean, some of this stuff I'm saying, I think you've got to just work out in your own life. How does this look? How does this apply to you? You, don't, you can't really go through every specific, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Let's keep going. Verse 6. Okay, this is a, back to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 6. This is a, a very, very challenging verse. Um, I'll, I'll tell you why. One, let me get a drink. Um, this verse is very interesting. Let me read it for you. Do not give dogs what's holy, and don't throw your pearls before the pigs. Least they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is why this verse has just been tripping me up. I mean, I've been reading different commentators on this thing, trying to make sense of this. Some guys swing way hard and say, look, now, now that Jesus has said, don't judge and judge yourself, go and identify the pigs and don't preach to them. Like, what? I'm so confused. Like, why? You know, now Brian's going to come up. No, it's good. And, uh, 
You know, you're like, no, what? You're supposed to teach us. Yeah, let me try here. Let me just give you what I, what I think Jesus is saying. Um, I think there's two, twofold. I think the first part is definitely that, that Jesus Christ is giving us, uh, there is a call to be discerning, okay? There, there's a call to be discerning. If you, if you uh, check out these verses, you don't have to turn there. But in Proverbs chapter 26, there's two verses that are kind of interesting. Uh, it says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And then the very next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Like, what? This is getting really messy. Okay, so I'm supposed to speak to some fools and not to other fools? How does this work out? And I think what God is saying, there's a time and a place to speak to fools, right? Yeah. It's a time and a place for me to speak up and say, this is, this is the, what the Bible says. This is the truth of the gospel. And then there's also a time when you discern it and you can tell someone is angry, not going to receive what you're saying, to, to, to quiet down and to, to keep it back. You've got to discern. God, God's given us a brain, given us uh, discernment. Um, it's a gift of the Spirit to actually look in and say, when is the right time for me to speak? When is it going to be helpful? Okay? It's a very, very good question to ask you. It's very, very easy to just throw, throw out words because you like, maybe you like to hear your voice. Uh, but when, is my, when are my words going to build up? When are my words going to uh, cause someone to grow? Okay? And you've got to gotta be, gotta be aware of like, all the dangers of what can get in the way of causing these jealousy, coveting. I mean, like Martin Lloyd-Jones in his commentary is very interesting. He says, uh, it's easy for us to let a personality get in the way of actually judging a principle. Okay? Where, where we will we'll say, well, I don't like the way that guy talks or dresses. And I don't like the way they, you know, carry themselves. I don't like the kind of job they work. I don't like their major, rec majors, you know. Well, God forbid, you know. It's, 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 it, we have to make sure we're not letting the personality of a person who God created interfere with us uh, addressing the principle that maybe needs to be addressed. Okay? Another, another thing I think that can get away, get in the way of this is letting our motives, imputing a motive on someone. Where I'm saying, you know what, I bet you this is what they're thinking. Therefore, I have every right to judge them right now. Again, you're swinging a harsh judgment on someone. Um, so let's bring this back to this verse for a sec here. I, th- I think it's, we have to uh, zoom out in this thing. I think the second part to us understanding this verse is, is this, is that Jesus is almost mean the exact opposite of what he said. What? Okay, let me try to explain. This is what some theologians call a constructive irony. He does this in other places. Here's a verse. Luke 5.32, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Now, does Jesus really mean that the Pharisees, the self-righteous, those who were viewed as the righteous in this culture, that, he, that they can just sit this one out, and he's talking to the Gentiles, those who don't know the gospel, they've never heard of, of the law. Um, is that what Jesus is saying? Or, or does he mean the exact opposite, where he's actually saying, no, I've actually come to call the righteous to repentance. I've actually called the religious, church-attending folks to repent of the religion. Is that, I think that's where he's going with this. And so if we take that, that idea and apply that to the same text, where Jesus says, don't cast your, do not give the dogs what's holy, and don't throw your pearls for the pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I believe that Jesus is, is saying, you need to judge yourself. You need to ask, actually ask yourself, are you a swine? Are you a pig? Are you a dog? 
Because this whole context of this passage has been exactly that, right? Don't judge. Then it comes to judge yourself, right? And then we get up to this verse. Think of this. For God to send his son, what Colossians says, is the, is the, the, the great uh, Christ in whom all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. For God to send his greatest treasure to earth would contradict if you say that it's my job to just identify you're a pig, you're a dog. And and, and what a wicked thing it would be if we take the word of God, the great pearl, take take Christ himself and use it as a way to despise people, as a way to, to, to say, I have such this sacred writing and I'm choosing not to give it to you, you dog, you pig. I mean, what? Is that the heart of our creator? To, to, to say, I've got this great treasure, but mm, no, sorry. It's not for the pigs. It's not for the dogs. It's for the righteous. Really? I don't think so. Uh, my dad, uh, his name's Ed, and uh, he got saved when he was 29 years old. Um, man, he was, he's living a gnarly lifestyle, living for himself. Um, you, you name it, whatever sin, he, he had it. Uh, and he, he was uh, living in this house in the Castro Valley, way up in the Bay Area. And um, his landlord was this guy named Ray Wallace. Um, this guy, Ray, has gone to be with the Lord. Uh, but Ray was a Christian. And Ray would share the gospel with my dad periodically and invite him to these men's groups and, and all these things. And, uh, and my dad, no, 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 I'm not interested. No, thanks. I got things to do. I'm busy. Here's your rent. No, thank you. For, for about a year, Okay. But Ray was persistent. Ray was, was just continually, I'm not going to give up hope on this guy. Maybe God would use me to, to, to share the gospel with this guy. And he shared with him. And one day my dad goes to this men's group, hears the gospel, and believes and gets saved. And, and I look at that and I'm like, man, thank God that he used Ray to just be persistent in this guy's life. Well, Ray could easily man up. Ed is a dog. I mean, Ed doesn't care. Look at, look at his life. Why? He doesn't care about the gospel. I mean, my, my cousin just got back from a, a missions trip to East Asia, East Asia and uh, she was just telling me in her support letter, uh, her, you know, information letter, that there was just a number of people on that trip that had been hearing the gospel over there, these, these folks um, that lived there over and over and over, and the team that was been there stationary for a year um, hadn't, you know, hadn't seen any response, hadn't seen any response to the gospel. Then one day, her and her friend were just sharing with this girl who's been hearing it for over a year now, maybe longer. And she decided, you know, I think I want to know how to be a Christian. I want to, what, do I, what do I have to do? Something happened. Something supernatural happened where God changed this girl's desires. Where God changed this girl's nature. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. I think when we can say, man, it's our job to judge. But when our judgment goes so harsh to where we think we're entitled to call someone a pig, man, I just, I don't think that's the heart of Heart of the gospel. Now, what I do think Jesus is bringing up the pig and the swine for this reason. It's for us to realize that, that all of us that come into this world are by default pigs. You just call me pig? Yep. We're all pigs. We're coming into this world. Me too. Okay? We come in. Because think of a pig. Okay? A pig, it just wants to get fat, wants to sleep, wants to eat. That's the pig's life. Right? You're like, some of you are like, that's not pretty good. You're like, you know. So the, 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 real, the realization here is what Jesus is saying is, is the, the pig mentality 
is, is just selfish. It's, it's self-consuming. And when you take the gospel and you put it before a pig, you take a pearl, which is of great value, and you put it before a pig, he's going to try to eat it and just, what the, spit it out, you know, lose a tooth, something. And he's just angry. And he's going to come and attack you. And I think what's happening here is Jesus is showing us that there is a spiritual blindness. There's something very real. There's a spiritual blindness. Let me read for you 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, this, this verse is very interesting. First time I read it. It still is very interesting. Um, it says, there we go. The natural man does not, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him. He's not, he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So I think if we take the context of this passage and, and realize that we're called to judge ourselves, some of you right now need to ask yourself, am I, do I have the pig mentality? Am I a pig? Am I, am I completely concerned with just what benefits me and my fleshly desire? Because the natural man, some of you sitting here may not be Christians, and, and, and some of you are like, I just want to finish, I don't care, I just want to go and get a sandwich, you know? And I'm, I'm not here to save you. I'm here to put the gospel forward. And I think what, what I know happens, and I believe, is that when, when, when the gospel is preached, God can take that word, take that pearl, and change someone's nature to cherish the pearl. And what do you mean? Turn to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. We'll end with this verse. You guys have been great, all the Bible exercise. Uh, sorry, I'm going all over, but yeah. Uh, Matthew 13, go down, verse 45. 13:45 it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So I think it, it would be good for us to contrast the pig, who when the pearl is cast before him, he spits it out, he hates it. In fact, he will attack those who give it to him. But then look at this man, where I think Jesus has given us this picture of what happens when someone is, their nature is beginning to change. They're in search of a pearl, and when they find it, they cherish it. And they're willing to sell everything that they have in order to behold this one pearl. Now we have to judge ourselves right now. Are we, do we have a pig mentality, or are we having more of a, a fully functional Human being as God intended us to be, to cherish Christ. To make Christ our greatest treasure, our greatest pearl, to where, to where, where it changes what we desire. Where, where Christians are not just those who enjoy the blessings of God, but enjoy God. Enjoy the cross. Enjoy the fact that we're saved by, by the blood of Jesus. You guys got to see this. At the end of time, those who don't want uh, to go to heaven just to be safe from hell are not Christians. I mean, the people that are Christians desire Jesus, desire the pearl. Now, some of you right now are like, well, man, I, I don't know. I feel like I have this pig mentality. I think I, I disenjoy maybe the blessings of God. I enjoy the fellowship. I'm not sure if I really enjoy Jesus. I, I would encourage you to consider it, the prodigal son. Consider this guy who went and spent his wealth, spent his inheritance on himself. We had a pig mentality, and, and, and ironically enough, ended up feeding with pigs, right? And must have smelled like a pig, must have just been 
almost identify with the pigs because he was there eating with them. But the father who took him back embraced him. Embraced him. Because this, this young man had started to realize that there is something greater to desire in this life. More than desire to peace myself, my fleshly nature. But I, I, want to, I want to desire the fellowship of my father. What a beautiful thing it is when we judge ourselves to realize that what our greatest treasure must be to be a fully spiritual, made in the image of God, to really see what God has intended for us is to desire God, to desire the fellowship of Christ, and, and let out of that create a community that's built in truth and love. I mean, I love where the, net, where the rest of this passage is going. I'm not, not preaching on seven for the rest of it, but what, what's great here, what, what Jesus does, he goes, ask, and it'll be given to you. Knock, and the door will be opened. Guys, we, we must. If you're realizing this right now, I think God, God is working on your heart. He is beginning to change your nature right now. If you're realizing, man, I've been a pig. I, I've been serving myself. Well, I'd invite you to, to ask him to change your nature. I'd invite you to, to, to repent and see your sinfulness before God and, and let that transform your life. Live as God intended us to live. What, what a great thing this is. Um, so I'm going to invite James to come on up. Where's he at? And uh, we're, we're going to, this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to worship Jesus. If you, need, if you got work that needs to be done with Jesus, we have this area right here. I don't know if anyone knows about this. Kind of a secret. This is an area for, if you need prayer, there's folks that come over here that are part of our church that are just available to pray for you. If you're feeling, man, I feel condemned. I feel like I've been a pig. <laughs> I want to change. I want something to change out of my life. But we would love to talk to you more about the gospel, about Jesus. Um, so this area right here is for prayer. We're also going to be doing communion. If you're a Christian and, and Christ is your Lord and Savior, then I invite you to partake of the communion. If you're not, then it, it's really worthless because it's for Christians to remember the blood and, and, the, and the body that was broken for us. Okay? If you want to be a Christian, man, believe in Jesus. Repent of your sins. Put your, put your hope in him. Make Jesus your treasure. And partake with the communion with us. But we're going we're gonna to pray and uh, go from there. Father, uh, thank you for the, for the gospel. I thank you that, that you have uh, shown us a better way to live. Shown us that your love and your grace is unmerited and given freely. Father, let, let, let us who are feeling like a pig right now, God, I confess, there's so many times I'm selfish. So many times I'm living for myself. And I, I use your things, God, to, to better me. So Father, I pray we would deny ourselves right now and we take up, take up the cross. We would put our trust in the cross of Christ and see that, that it's been fully paid. Our sin has been dealt with there on the hill called Calvary. And I pray if we're that prodigal, that we would run into the arms of the Father and I pray that you would just remind us of his love. Remind us of his unending, unfailing love. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for our sins. Lord, I pray that we would respond right now, rightly. I pray this in your name. Amen.